Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC's orthopedics team, offering hip, knee, joint, spine, and back treatments. Learn more at upmc.com slash centralpaortho. Welcome back to The Spark. I'm Scott Lamar. It's called Act One, and Pennsylvania school districts' budgets have often been determined by what Act One allows them to do since it was adopted by the legislature in 2006. Act One requires school districts to seek voter approval for tax increases greater than the Act One index, which is made up of several cost-to-schools factors. Districts can get exceptions from this requirement if tax increases are needed to cover specific types of expenses. Pennsylvania Auditor General Tim DeFore released results of an audit of 12 school districts this week that found the audited districts moved unspent money out of their general funds into reserves to be eligible for the exceptions, and sometimes those reserves totaled millions of dollars. Auditor General Tim DeFore is with us today. Mr. Auditor General, welcome to the program. Thank you, Scott, and good morning, and I appreciate you having me on your show. So how did this audit come about? Well, it came about um, for several years, even prior to me being Auditor General, we had been hearing from residents and the General Assembly that some school districts were, in fact, raising taxes when seemingly had enough money in their, in their accounts and in their funds to, to cover any type of, of budget budget increase. So um, so we decided to um, to take a look at it to see if in fact that that was that was the case. And um, and collectively we um, did find that um, school districts were using a referendum exception, which allows school districts to raise taxes without voter approval to um, to, to raise taxes for, for an emergency. Why only 12 districts? Um, well, we, we decided just to, to do a small sampling. And um, one of the things that we decided to do was we looked at past audits and we looked at information contained in, in, in school districts' um, financial statements and also with regards to their budgets and also whether or not they had applied for this referendum exception. So um, it was a, a systematic approach to it. We didn't select any schools at random, but um, there was a, a process that we used in order to do this. So it covered east to west, um, rural, it covered, urban. Yeah, it covered east to west. It covered um, urban, rural, school districts, school districts and um, tax bases that were poorer and richer. So, you know, this is kind of complicated when I was even trying to put it on paper as a script, Act 1 I'm talking about. Uh, what is the simplest way to explain Act 1 and the responsibilities that school districts have to well, take that, advantage yeah, of in, these exceptions? In a nutshell, and the best, the simplest way that, that I can explain it, Act 1 was, to, was something that gave the the residents the right to whether or not they felt that school districts um, needed to raise, tax, raise taxes. It, um, it was um, the voters' rights, and that's what that's what the intention intent was um, to allow voters to decide whether or not 
school districts um, could in fact raise taxes. But um, one of the things as we discovered in our audit is that um, school districts happen to find their way around that. And that way around that was the referendum exception that I mentioned earlier. What they were doing and what they are doing is not illegal, right? It is no, it is not illegal. It is certainly finding a way um, to use a law to to your advantage, but nothing that was done by the school districts was in fact illegal. And we made that's something that we made clear in our audit report. So what you're describing is a loophole. What exactly is that loophole? Um, the loophole one is that school districts who have who have um, reserves, who have plenty of money in their in their accounts being able to apply for a referendum exception, which is meant for meant for emergencies. And um, another one is that um, the, the Department of Education, when they accept these applications, one of the things that they look at from a school district, they look at a school's budget. And as we all know, a budget is a is an estimate of how much money you're going to um, going to need for the following school year as opposed to, and this is something we recommended, looking at cash on hand. It's the cash on hand that tells you how much money you actually have um, going forward. And we recommended that the Department of Education, when um, deciding to grant one of these, one of these um, referendum, um, referendum exceptions, that they look at the cash on hand and not necessarily look at the, um, the budgeted amount. So again, I, I just want to bring some context to this, and I'm just going to use figures. Say that uh, you know the index, the Act One index is two percent, and I'm again just using numbers here. But a school district says, "Listen, we have expenses that are greater than two percent, and they apply for an exception to Act One." Is that the correct way of describing that? That's, that's that's the original intent of that of that exception. However, one of the things that we had discovered is that some schools were moving, moving funds to other accounts, then stating that we don't have any money, so we're going to apply for this exception. The school, the Department of Education, would then see that there wasn't any money there and then grant the exception. These 12 districts that you audited, how much money are we talking about that, uh, how much was moved around? I mean, are we talking a small amount, millions of dollars? Well, one of the things that we that we um, in this all everything that I'm talking about is in our audit report. Um, collectively, the twelve, and we're talking about the twelve. Um, One hundred and two million dollars was moved into their capital funds um, account. However, another three hundred and ninety million dollars still sat in their accounts unspent. And these are again collectively these are schools that had also asked for an exemption and also raise taxes. So you're talking more than $400 million in just 12 districts. Correct. That's a lot of money. That, that, is. that is. Now, there has been an aggressive pushback against the audit from schools, uh, especially those 12 that were audited. Their criticisms or responses have ranged from they have special circumstances to you don't understand how a school budget is comprised. What have you thought about the pushback from the school districts? Well, one of the things that we allowed the school districts to, to do, um, we provided them a copy of, of the audit report prior to it being released. 
And also we provided the um, whatever the, whatever their concerns were, the responses, that's also also in the audit report. But the facts of the audit speak for speak for itself. And um, I stand with the way that the audit um, that the audit was was written. When you hear someone say that you don't understand, it's not just, I mean, you didn't personally do this audit. You have a right. lot of uh, your colleagues working on this, but that you don't understand or the office doesn't understand the school budgeting process. What do you think about that? Well, um, again, and there, there's going to be there's going to be criticism. So as far as those types of criticisms, if you have those types of criticisms, please, you know, we're more than willing to sit and talk to you about that. Um, and again, that's why one of the reasons why we allowed the school districts to um, to respond to our order request, and then so we also responded to them um, to theirs. But um, you know, we have some very very experienced auditors um, in this department, auditors who have been doing this type of work for for thirty years. And myself, I have been doing this type of work for for um, for thirty years. So um, as far as the criticism, nobody likes to be audited. And if there's going to be any type of audit findings, of course you're going to criticize those those findings, however I stand by them. I want to bring up a couple other things that school districts have uh, responded with. Uh, one of the things is that school budgets run from July 1st to June 30th, the same as the state's fiscal year, and that the state often doesn't have a budget in place. Schools don't know how much money they'll be getting from uh, the, the state. What do you say to that? I agree with them. And one of the things that we recommended, normally the schools have their, have their budget end on June 30th. And also that's when the state's budget has to be on June 30th. It's extremely difficult for school districts to have a completed budget on the same time the state um, submits its budget as well. So one of the things that we recommended is that you, we give the school districts another extra, an additional three months to have a completed, completed audit excuse me to have a, um, a completed completed budget from June 30th to September 30th and that should give them enough time to um to have the information and get the information from the Commonwealth and to know how much money they're getting from the Commonwealth so they submit their budget so are you talking October 1st um, we're talking September 30th September 30th okay why not just a, a calendar year and I I have no idea whether that would make it easier you know, what would happen if it would create chaos or just what? Well, I mean, the bottom line is, you know, dealing with this situation, whatever works for the schools. I mean, the schools have to know how much money they're getting from the state before they can complete a budget. So if June 30th worth works, if September 30th works, or if you move to a calendar year, if that works, bottom line is whatever works for the schools. What have you heard from schools, or have you heard from schools, uh, what they think about the idea of uh, moving the dates of their budget-making process? Well, we didn't necessarily hear about um, specifically moving moving the um, the budget day process, but we did hear that it's difficult for them to have a completed budget on the same day as the state's budget because they don't know how much money they're going to um going to get from the from the state. And that's why we made the recommendation about moving their um their budget date. Yeah. And so that, that's something that was that was um across the board. 
Yeah, and the, and the reality is that uh, even when the Pennsylvania legislature and the governor are in agreement on a budget, it often isn't even signed by June 30th. It may be a week or so later. So school districts and everyone else that's waiting for a state budget, they're kind of up in the air at that point. Right. I mean, if if the schools are saying they need more time, then we need to listen to them. Uh, so, Mr. Auditor General, let me go back to uh, some of the other things that uh, uh, school districts have said, schools have said after the audit was released uh, earlier this week. Uh, they say that uh, this is just responsible budget making, that uh, the reserve money is there in case of an emergency. They say the state has a rainy day fund. So why shouldn't school districts? Well, um, one of the things is, is that, I mean, if you're, if you have to raise taxes to um, put money in the rainy day fund, taxpayers are, are, are paying for that. And one of the things that we have to consider, we may have people on a fixed income, a senior citizen who owns their house, and every year they have to write out a check to the, um, the school district that has raised taxes and doesn't necessarily have to raise taxes. So we have to consider people like senior citizens and also people on on fixed incomes because ultimately they're the ones who are who are paying the bill so we have to consider that if, you know and as far as putting money away for a rainy day that's great for a private indiv individual such as ourselves but not necessarily for a governmental um governmental entity but well you know one of the things that and i want to go back to a couple of things that i said earlier one of the things that we did in this audit we looked at the entire process we looked at the entire process with regards to schools. We looked at the process from a um, with regards to the Pennsylvania Department of Education, and we looked at the process with regards to the legislature and the public school code and the um, all other applicable codes regarding this process. So we're looking at a whole systematic process in trying to come up with um, what's the what's the best solution for this and how. How do we stop um, something like this from, from occurring again? But you just said that uh, for a family, it makes sense to uh, have some some money in savings, of a rainy day fund, but not necessarily for a government entity. entity. Uh, this, as I said, the state has, now with the money coming from the federal government after uh, the COVID pandemic, we have... Uh, a pretty healthy uh, surplus right now in a rainy day fund. But school districts are saying, you know, what about emergencies? Uh, I mean, they're they're talking that they have to make these increasing pension contributions. Uh, they have increasing expenses with special education and charter school tuitions. That's how they're using this money. Right. And that's the and that's the purpose of the referendum exception with the Department of Education. When we actually do have those types of emergencies, that's when those waivers are to be, that's when that waiver is to be um, is to be applied. One of the issues that we saw that in and discovered in the audit report is that applying for this waiver was a was a business practice, whether schools needed it or not. And so it's 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 in my opinion, it's somewhat an abuse of of the system. If you don't need something, then then don't. Don't apply for it. If you are going to move money and apply for it, saying that you don't have any money, that's something that isn't necessarily fair either. So what we are saying is the system needs to be used the way that it was actually intended. And that's something that hasn't happened. And that's why one of the one of the um 
recommendations in our audit report was that the legislature needs to fix any loopholes that are um, that are in in the public school code and the properly relief act one of the other criticisms i've heard is that you didn't audit charter schools that have big reserves as well why not well one of the things that and that's that's a good question and um we've been hearing about, about charter schools as well um, one of the things I haven't done as Auditor General, and I won't do as Auditor General, is to talk about any any potential audits um, regarding regarding any um, any entities. But um, we've had discussed it, and we've had heard concerns from residents and citizens. You said earlier that this audit was in response to things you have heard from others about school districts with their reserves. Right. If you have heard, though, that charter schools should be audited, now you just said you're not going to talk about future audits, but it wouldn't right. it make sense that uh, if if these are public schools, that right. if they have reserves, that uh, it should be audited as well? And, and again, um, and I, I, I hear your concerns. I've heard the citizens' concerns. And um, one of the things that, that, we, that we don't do, if, if potentially if there's something that we're looking at, I, I don't go on record saying that, yes, this is something that we're looking at. This is an audit that we are going to perform. However, we have heard the concerns from residents and from the General Assembly with regards to charter schools. And it's something that we have discussed. Auditor General DeFore, there uh, have been Republicans who for years have complained that schools raise taxes when they have millions of dollars in reserve. You're a Republican. There will be some who will say that this audit was politically motivated. How do you respond to that? Um, simply look at the um, how we came about selecting these schools. And again, they were across the board. As I stated, they were from urban, rural, and they're from richer and poor school districts. And we used a process and a methodology which, which made it fair. And um, as far as those criticisms, you know, being in being in this department, you can't listen to to any type of criticisms. You simply have to do the job, and I'm doing the job um, to the best of my ability as auditor general, without mm -hmm. listening to the criticisms. Well, when you say you you, you don't listen to the criticisms, I mean uh, everybody is critiqued. I guess right. voters will critique you. They'll critique me next year. They'll critique me. So you know that's that's the ultimate critique, I guess. But I mean, when you say you don't listen to criticism, how do you not listen to criticism? Right, focus on doing the job. Okay. And again, I, and I've been I have been doing this for for thirty years, and um, you, you simply have to do the job the way that it's intended to do. When you look at the um, the Pennsylvania Fiscal Code, the Pennsylvania Fiscal Code doesn't state Republican Auditor General does this and a Democrat Auditor General does that. It simply states the Auditor General shall do this. This audit came along with recommendations, and you've already touched on a few of them. But what are some of the recommendations that uh, came out of the audit? Number one, again, it's it's all about closing up the loop, the loopholes that um that that has allowed this to happen. And I stated that it just, and it's been my experience that it's not just one thing that causes like something like this to happen. Um, there are some things in the, in, the, um, in the school code that need to be revisited, things in the tax code that need to be revisited. And with regards to the Department of Education, 
as opposed to looking at the budget amount to um to determine whether or not somebody meets a you know an exception they need to be looking at um cash on hand hmm. It, it, will there be a line in your mind? Would there be a line drawn or a level of cash on hand drawn uh, to to let school districts know? Okay, this is how much you can keep in reserve, and you can't go above that level. Um, that's going to be up to the legislature. We we've made our recommendation, and the legislature now has a copy of our audit report, and we are very clear and concise and concise with regards to um, with regards to what we put in there. So anything beyond this will be up to the legislature, and it's something that we will definitely be um, communicating with them, and them not only them but also the Department of Education. But um, right now, it's going to be up to the legislature to decide what action they plan on taking. It's only been a couple of days since your audit came out, but have you heard anything from legislators or the legislature about uh, what they see coming down the line from it? Um, no, none have reached out to me um, as of as of today. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure once they once they come back, I'm sure I'll get a, more than a few um, requests, and I'm sure some will reach out to me. But as of today, and again, it's only been a few days since we released the audit report, but um, nobody has reached out to me as of yet. That's right. The House is uh, in lockdown until February 27th. We discussed that in our first segment of the program. Uh, but uh, yeah, th- this is uh, something that. Uh, Every Pennsylvanian has an interest in. What about uh, school districts? Have you heard from the school districts other than what the quotes that I kind of read to you of their criticisms? Have you heard from schools themselves? Yeah. And again, one of the things that we did prior to the audit report being released, we allowed each of the 12 school districts to respond. And then we actually put their responses inside the in the audit report. So the general public can see those as well. So then we responded to their response. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we have heard from from all 12. Pennsylvania Auditor General Tim DeFore, Auditor General DeFore, thank you very much for being with us today. Well, thank you very much. I'm Scott Lamar. Have yourself a great weekend. <laughs>